What is going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Daniel's Den. I am your host, Daniel Pasley. So, obviously, topic of discussion has been the coronavirus and how it's impacted many different people in many different ways. Whatever background you have, whatever job you have, it's impacted everybody. It started off as people thought it was a regional thing, but has spread out to be a global issue and been labeled a global pandemic. So, I'm just going to talk about how this issue may impact the NBA in terms of what solutions they may have, depending on where things fall in terms of research and putting a dent in the numbers in terms of the amount of cases that are out there. But obviously, um, looking at it from a realistic perspective, it may be a couple of months before things are back to normal. But hey, let's uh, kind of let's kind of maybe think about what solutions the NBA may have. So that's something I'm going to highlight, and then. To wrap up things, I'm just going to discuss, obviously, the awards. I know it's a weird thing to discuss, but obviously there is a possibility the NBA, if they do come back, they may have to just go right into, you know, the playoffs. And maybe it's through a training camp or whatever the case is for like a week. But, hey, man, I'm just going to dive into why I think uh, certain people earned certain awards. So let's dive in, people. So first and foremost, I just want to highlight, obviously, the positive tests of Rudy Gobert, uh, Donovan Mitchell. And now we know there's a third case with Christian Wood coming out positive uh, last night in terms of his uh, testing where they had played the uh, the Jazz, uh, I think, a week prior to his test, if not more. Um, so it's quite alarming to see. I think this is something that, obviously, Gobert, he said he didn't handle it properly. He's admitted to it. A lot of us were... You know, myself included, we were real, you know, disappointed with how he handled things, kind of made a joke about it. There's a lot of people who are friends and family that may be taking these things lightly, but it's quite clear to say, like, uh, us young people, us healthy folks, we must consider, you know, those at risk in terms of this disease and obviously take time for, you know, the research to develop. But at the same time, we got to do our best to uh, limit those who are vulnerable in these tough times uh, when it comes to being sick. So. You know, I commend them and all the other guys for, you know, donating and speaking out and at least doing something about this and taking care of people who A, are losing jobs or B, are just at risk of getting sick and unable to pay bills and possibly uh, they may die based on what situation they're in. So, you know, let's just move on to the, the topic at hand. You know, coronavirus obviously shut down the league. The league has to revisit. I know Adam Silver has said he's planning on, you know, waiting about 30 days before he proceeds with what's supposed to happen with the league, whether he's going to pursue maybe a delayed playoff or maybe um, if he's going to even just have them play an X amount of games before he goes on. There's been a possibility of owners, you know, wanting to go into July and August and whether that interrupts the TV deal, that remains to be seen. But to me, I think it's something that, Obviously, the league has to revisit, depending on how things go or research in, in terms of this uh, pandemic, because it is a world issue. It's not just a, an NBA issue. At the end of the day, there's obviously people who live lives outside of the game of basketball itself. So, yeah, so I'm just going to talk about the possibilities, as I said before. Um, the Hawk, One of the Hawks owners had discussed the possibility of starting the season in December about a month ago, kind of suggesting, you know, during the summertime, a lot of teams, t- uh, you know, there's not really a lot to do uh, in terms of watching TV. And I think 
having maybe the NBA season in July and August, if things uh, go uh, go well in terms of you know the research, having the season in July and August, I think is going to be a little troubling, just because one the TV deal, you know that money is billion dollar money, so you know the owners may have to revisit, it. and of course NBA may have to look at it and say, hey, you know we're messing up uh, a lot of people's pockets. I know health is a big thing, but we may have to you know, move on and, and think, Hey, we can live the fight another day and replan something, maybe even having, you know, just the playoffs right away. Um, but I think to me, this would be a bit troubling just because one summertime, obviously a lot of us, as you do know, we do have activities. It's a very social time. It's a time where everybody gets together It's warm weather. There's always an event for those of us in the city, you know, people who have cottages. So, to me, I think that would be a, l- a little troubling because they'd have to push the times a bit earlier. I think maybe people going out in the evening, maybe the NBA would have to look at maybe midday times or having a time slot from like, let's say 12 to about six o'clock, just when people are about eating dinner or something. So people don't really have an excuse to miss games or if they're big fans, I think they'll get fans regardless. But obviously having people bouncing around the world may f- make things a little more challenging for, for them. And I think to me, um, of course, this being an Olympic year, I just wonder where that things with that go, just because if they do cancel the Olympics and even just going into next year, I think they just have to simply push the, the season back to December, or maybe even November at the, at the earliest, just because, you know, I, I understand that we were thinking, oh, uh, guys like Kawhi, LeBron, you know, KD's been a guy that's been rumored. Everybody's speculating, oh, like if the Nets somehow do this and he'll come back or so on and so forth. All these conspiracy theories in terms of what they what people think. But I think giving guys three, four weeks off, yes, it could be a blessing in terms of rest. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of rusty basketball, man. If we if we go right into, you know, the playoffs, to me, I think that's a bit too sped up for me just because you're really saying – Hey guys, you know, you have three, four weeks. I know these guys train. I know these guys work on their game, but obviously having game reps, you watch the early part of the season. A lot of guys have a lot of hurdles to jump in order their, in order for their conditioning to get to a certain level, in order for the rhythm and game to get to a certain level. Chemistry with teammates, obviously teams like the Clippers, not really having much practice time together. And obviously with something like this, not having game reps and not being able to, you know, mingle with each other. It is definitely troubling. So I, I just wonder, for me personally, I just I just think it's a bad idea just to kind of go right into the season. I personally, I'd like for them to maybe play out the year, but I'm not sure how many games are going to uh, pretty much uh, retain from what was left. Every team had a, a roughly about you know 20 to 25 games left, depending on what phase of your uh, schedule you're in. You know, some teams are still going on road trips. And obviously, with the threat of travel being uh, the most uh, making people the most prone to catching this disease, I think that's where you know the NBA might have to look at it and say, "Hey, maybe we should look at you know, keeping things more more isolated in a way that people don't really obviously make things more prone for our society to have another outbreak in terms of uh, coronavirus and." Who knows? It could uh, obviously I'm not a scientist. Uh, I don't have a background in this to that extent. But, you know, you never know whether this thing could string into something stronger than it already is. So I think that's where the NBA 
obviously has to conduct some uh, meetings with uh, their research team and obviously with doctors and people with their credentials to do so, to do so. So, um, yeah. And obviously to me, I think it'd be good to obviously have these games, but at the same time, wrapping the season off and wrapping up the season, I'd say about maybe early August at the latest. I think that gives guys a good amount of time. If you have to roll into next year, you can push the, push the season back to October. And I think it gives guys a, a quality amount of time in terms of what's left. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that's all I got in terms of that. Um, just, just talking about, obviously, the season itself, I think it's been an entertaining one. It's been one that's been quite, you know, entertaining, but at the same time, it's been quite emotional, obviously, for us at Obviously, it grew, grew up with David Stern and Kobe Bryant, obviously having those two kind of tied in with what role they had with the game of basketball. It's a really, you know, it's really emotional. This is just when we thought things couldn't get worse. Now we have a pandemic at hand, which is obviously something that we didn't foresee. But obviously, this virus has been something that's been discussed for months in terms of um, people thought it was a more regional thing. But obviously, it's kind of not kind of it has you know, spread into a global pandemic and it has affected people in different aspects of their lives. So, yeah, let's move on to something with more positive light and let's move on to the the game of basketball itself in terms of the award picks in the NBA. So, um, just moving on to, obviously, the awards, depending on, you know, this is pretty much depending on if the NBA season does end and they do kind of go into the postseason, depending on how things go, as I've said, with research and obviously with containment of the virus. But first and foremost, I just want to just start with MVP. Um, Obviously, I think this is an award where Giannis takes the back-to-back crown. I kind of highlighted my MVP thoughts in the last couple podcasts with him and LeBron. I thought LeBron did make a good run at it, obviously with the Clipper win and the Buck win. And also even the whole season, I kind of said that um, he was he was a guy who was a catalyst for the Lakers. Obviously, when he goes to the bench, plus minus rating is one of the worst in the league. They're in they're well below the bottom half, even when AD's on the court. So obviously that kind of was my argument. But at the same time, I think he did have some ground to make up obviously with there being 20 games left at the time. Uh, I felt like he did have enough of a case to make, but just at the moment of course, season ending, I think Giannis had did enough, had done enough, excuse me, up until this point, just because one, his team has the best record in the league Two, his games gotten even better. And three, I would probably say that he does have as much of an impact. Uh, you can argue in terms of uh, the way he helps his team. Uh, in comparison to LeBron, obviously not having a guy to the caliber of AD. Obviously, AD is a guy who's top five or ten, depending on where you rank him in um, in terms of players in the league. So, the the Bucks are a good team. They do, do have an All Star in, in uh, Chris Middleton, but obviously he's not to the the talent of uh, Anthony Davis, where people think he's a generational type of uh, front court player. So, I think that's where things kind of lie for me. Um, in terms of MVP voting, just because, as I've said, best record in the league, Giannis has made improvements. And even of late, uh, when he did get hurt, Milwaukee did look quite human. And even with him in the lineup, I do think 
that the limitations around him do kind of highlight how great he is. And to me, I think Giannis just takes slight edge over LeBron. Moving on to Defensive Player of the Year, the aforementioned Anthony Davis, I think he takes the crown. Obviously, you got people joking around saying Rudy Gobert should have be a three-time uh, Defensive Player of the Year just because he he blocked the whole league from playing games. But um, in all seriousness, um, obviously he did kind of spark things in terms of people's awareness of the, the virus. But um, I think... Anthony Davis is a guy for me, was a catalyst on defense. Obviously, offensively, I do think uh, he does have some things to improve on as great as he is. But defensively, I think you did see when the Lakers played, he was a guy who could switch out on the guards. He could block shots. And he, he takes up so much ground. For a guy who's about 6'10", 6'11", with a 7'5", wingspan, uh, he, he can take up a lot of space. You you could think that you have an open three, but he comes flying out from 15 feet oh, away from you, takes up so much ground, has long strides. And we kind of saw this in him, obviously, with Kentucky. A lot of people kind of felt like he wasn't as dominant as he could be. And I think he did take note of that. And this year he did say, I want to be the defensive player of the year. And I think to all the reasons I mentioned, and he takes the crown for me in terms of the defensive prowess. Um, John Morant, for me, that's my rookie of the year. I think come, coming in, I, I had picked R.J. Barrett. but Obviously, this is before, you know, I kind of wish I had thought about the makeup of the Knicks roster, but I think to his disadvantage that that roster doesn't have enough shooting around him. And obviously, New York has a, a whole different mess outside of basketball in terms of the Knicks. But I uh, I definitely picked Jaw just because he he has an impact on the game without scoring about 25 points. He, he's, he has had games where he has had big scoring nights, but to me, I feel like he... He makes his teammates so much better. We saw it at, uh, at, um, in college, excuse me, at the college level. We did see that he was a guy that he would make passes at Murray State, and you'd be like, whoa, like that guy should catch that pass. But in the NBA, you saw that would translate. He saw a lot of things that people weren't really ready for at the college level, and I think that's where he's, he's thrived, obviously, having NBA-level talent. And even – with Memphis being a team that's an eight seed, I thought they would be competitive. I didn't think they'd be a playoff team, but they have proved me wrong, proven a lot of people wrong. Obviously, with teams below them being real young and not really having a good rebuild, and teams like Portland, which did have um, some restructuring in the offseason, but again, they weren't very healthy. So to me, I definitely say Jaw takes the cake, even though Zion for people has been a guy that a lot of people say, hey, well, if this guy plays out the rest of the season, I think he can win. But even with that, I think, one, he hasn't played enough games. And two, I think with Memphis having guys in, out, in and out the lineup, um, obviously having guys like Triple J, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. out, um, Brandon Clark has missed time. And he doesn't really have a true wing beside him. Other than Dylan Brooks, they've been kind of putting guys in here and there. And even Dylan was a guy who had to prove himself. And I think this Memphis team has been to a surprise. I think that coach, uh, Taylor Jenkins, a lot of people don't know his name, but he has a, I think he's a, a guy that could finish, uh, in term, finish in terms of the finalists of coach of the year, just because a lot of people didn't really expect a lot out of him or the, the team. So that's, that's what it is for me. But I think that rivalry of uh, Zion and Jaws is going to be real good going forward. Coach of the year. I probably go with Nick Nurse. I think for me, this is a guy that 
a lot of people didn't have high hopes for the Raptors. Um, I had them in the playoffs in terms of, uh, as I said before, I had them as a four seed, finishing up as the two seed up until this point, which is something that a lot of people didn't really expect, including myself. Did I say they were going to be a team outside looking in? No, in terms of playoff positioning, but obviously NBA TV, I think 3D had the Bulls and the Pistons and teams like that in, which is pretty absurd, but Obviously, the loss of Kawhi, a lot of people were looking at the Raptors have a drop-off. But they're in the same spot as they were last year uh, with obviously a team that has talent, but obviously not the the alpha in terms of uh, big-time matchups in terms of if they'd have to play Milwaukee or Philly. But they have the collective group to get it done. But I also think at the same time, the way Nurse hasn't been able to Kind of display that, I think, is something that a lot of people didn't really expect. I, this was a team that had real questions with their bench. The Norman Powell, uh, their resurgence. Obviously, early, he was a guy that was big in his rookie year for Toronto's bench. But we have seen guys like him. Uh, Pascal's been better. I think Nurse has challenged him to be more of a playmaker. Uh, Kyle Lowry's been his usual self. I know a guy who doesn't really get a lot of credit outside of the Raptor community, but he is an all-star for a reason. It's not just because there's nobody to pick, but a lot of people would pick Kyle Lauer on the team. But going back to the original uh, topic at hand of coach of the year, I think Nurse does display a lot of revolutionary things. He does a lot of uh, a lot of things that he kind of throws you off guard. He doesn't really do the same thing often. He uh, likes to put you on. He likes to put you on your heels in terms of the the way he's always changing things defensively and on offense, this team executes as well as anybody. So credit to him. I think that's his award. Six man. This is a tough one for me, but I think obviously as I have said, you know, this, this award may be renamed the Lou Will award because of how many times he's won it. But to me, I would pick Montrez just because I feel like he's a more valuable six man just because they have so many wings and guards out in L.A., this time being the Clippers, uh, with guys like Shamit, who's an underrated player. I think, you know, Doc should be playing him a bit more, uh, especially because Pat Bev doesn't really give them enough offensively, and he does get into foul trouble. But uh, having Lou Will, PG, Kawhi, but looking at Montrez's numbers are still good. He's a guy that shoots very high from the floor in terms of percentages knows his game, and to me, I just think even with the guys in and out of the lineup, he always finds a way to score. He always finds the right matchups. You know, it's a contract year for him, so maybe he's motivated in that sense, but 18-7 and seven on the year. Um, as a guy that shoots well from the floor, 58%. He's not a good free throw shooter, but I think just the fact that he finds ways to score, he finds a way to stay on the floor, and obviously Lou Will's a guy that's, had this award wrapped up, but I think he's a more valuable six man. So I think that's why Montrez for me is my pick. And lastly, most improved player. I think this is a lot of people's pick. I go with Brandon Ingram. A lot of people early in LA kind of liking him to Kevin Durant is a guy that has shown a lot of playmaking ability. He's a guy that doesn't really have a personality where it stands out to you other than of course, you know, the fight where he punched Chris Paul in the face, but he doesn't really show much emotion very, very quiet guy, it seems like, on the outside looking in. But he is a killer, man. He's a guy that earned his spot in the All-Star game. 
And he he was a reason he's a big reason why this team stayed afloat without Zion. And obviously with Zion coming back, it has been an adjustment period. His numbers have slowly dipped, but that's uh that's not really slightly dipped, excuse me, but that's not really something that's real noticeable. I think he was at about 27 a game. Now he's about 24 a game. So even then, even with Zion in the lineup, I think Ingram has shown growth in terms of his playmaking, uh his rebounding has gone up. He's a, he was at six a game. And also, I think defensively, he has shown some uh, growth. And credit to him, he's worked hard, but obviously being in a position to thrive, maybe being beside a LeBron and being in L.A. didn't really allow for him to flourish as much as he could have. But to me, he takes the cake. So obviously, I highlighted a lot in that segment in terms of how I feel about the coronavirus and in terms of what solution the NBA may have to, you know, kind of address depending on you know, the research and obviously if numbers eventually drop with the healthcare that's out there, especially for us Westerners, we've been hit with it late, you know, out East, obviously uh, a lot of folks got hit with it, obviously with China being started and obviously countries neighboring it and people kind of traveling and spreading it has exposed a lot of people to it. But at the same time, we're going to try and stay relevant, um, try to, you know, Pump out some content. There's obviously a lot to discuss about. You know, maybe there's not a lot of recent-narratives in terms of what we can discuss. But at the same time, man, game of basketball is a beautiful thing. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that we're all passionate about. But at the same time, let's make sure we're washing our hands, keeping everything clean, uh, taking care of ourselves and others. That's the biggest thing. Because obviously, there's people that are vulnerable to losing their lives due to this. and yeah, that's all I got for you guys today. Please like, share, subscribe, comment. Let me know what you guys think. You know, was I wrong about what solutions the NBA uh, may, you know, have? Uh, and in terms of my awards, let me know what you guys think. Would you change your MVP pick? Would you change the Defensive Player of the Year pick? Let me know. Take care, y'all. That's all, folks.